The Fitness Reborn podcast is a companion piece to Renaissance Fitness personal training. This podcast is to serve as educational and entertainment purposes only. It does not in any way constitute as medical advice. If you have a medical concern, please seek out your provider. Hello, Internet. This is the Fitness Reborn podcast. My name is Sean from Renaissance Fitness Personal Training, where we put movement ahead of workouts. And my guest today is Amy Riley. Amy Riley is an aphrodisiac foods expert. She's a speaker, a cookbook author, consultant, freelance wine writer, a wine competition judge. In 2004, Amy was the second American to earn an MA in gastronomy. I had to practice that a little bit. Gastronomy awarded by the uh, Le Cordon Bleu in France. She's also the author of Fork Me, Spoon Me, a sensual cookbook, Romancing the Stove. And she is the founder of Life of Riley Publications. So quite a mouthful. I got through it. I didn't stumble through it as bad as I thought I would, but... That's all a very impressive and very awesome background there, Amy. Thank you for coming on. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So so let's just uh, jump right into it. So this is, uh, like I told you before we started recording here, um, this is a very interesting uh, thing for me to go into because, you know, if you listen to this podcast enough, you know, I kind of take an expansive um, interpretation of fitness. So, you know, we, we hear a lot about the physical fitness, the mental fitness, you know, hormonal, um, what have you. Um, the thing about, I don't think it's really touched on very much or explored very much is uh, sexual health. And so, you know, yeah. when we're talking about aphrodisiacs, we're going directly into that uh, category here. Yeah. So it's a, I think, a very sort of very specified and almost a niche sort of thing to get into. So what got you down that road? Um, first of all, sorry, my phone kept beeping at me. So that's why I was like wiggling around there for a minute. You're fine. You're fine. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I really, I've always had an, I was, first of all, I was working as a wine writer and I wanted to write about more than just wine at some point. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to find another topic within the food and wine realm. And I really have always been interested in the nutritional side of food and the effects of food on your body and how you feel. Um, I also happen to love mythology and folklore. And so aphrodisiacs were, a you know, I found this topic where, I, that, where the two kind of intersect. And that was a lot of fun for me. It also was very challenging because when I started writing about this topic, there wasn't a lot of information available. Like there were a few, there were limited research studies um, and there was some anthropological information, but most of it was just like folklore. And, you know, the topic has definitely, the, the available information has grown significantly. Um, but at the time I liked the challenge of it and I liked exploring something, bringing something new to people. So here we are. So uh, gastronomy, um, awarded yeah. to you, a degree awarded to you by yeah. Le Cordon Bleu in France, which is a very prestigious <laughs> culinary institute. Um, you're only the second American to ever be so awarded such a thing? It at, the time? New, okay. at the time, it was a fairly new program. Okay. Um, it was a collaboration with the University of Adelaide in Australia. Um, and I just happened to be the second American to actually complete the program. So. 
Gotcha. So what does that, what does all that mean to know, to know that you have an advanced degree in gastronomy? Um, yeah, not a lot. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) well, you know, it means that I've studied food to a far greater degree, um, than most people, even most people in the food industry. Um, so gastronomy is the study of everything to do with food, except the practical of cooking. Although I will say that in our course, we did touch upon that as well, but it's not Mm -hmm. coming out with, um, you know, it's not coming out with, with a degree to send you straight into a restaurant kitchen. It's a degree, um, that allows you to explore food in other ways and, and bring that knowledge into other fields. Like some, one of the people in my course was a librarian who wanted to specialize in food studies. Um, so, you know, studying history, uh, how food intersects. So I, for example, I did my master's dissertation on the relationship between food and sex in popular culture. Interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So obviously you said earlier that you were, you were interested in mythology. Yeah. Okay. So it, it was the, the interest in mythology. I mean, obviously with aphrodisiacs the root of the word is Aphrodite, right. you know, uh, right. goddess of love, I suppose, Greek goddess of love. So, and you found like a happy medium between like being a kind of a foodie and mm-hmm. being interested in something with a very deep mythological background. Right. Right. Okay. And you so, know, there's folklore from around the world really right. um, that intersects with that, that has to do with why foods are aphrodisiac. Um, right. Yeah, I started. I started with Greek mythology and then kind of broadened. Um, there's a lot of Eastern folklore as well as Western folklore. Gotcha, gotcha. So, all right. So, in your work with aphrodisiacs, like kind of highlight to us aphrodisiacs and food. Kind mm-hmm. of highlight to you. So, how did the journey? Where did the journey really take you along here? Like you got started with. Okay, with this general interest that like you said, which yeah. took you to Le Cordon Bleu in France, which I have to think is kind of difficult to get into, you know, especially being American. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that. But... Well, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's competitive like any master's uh-huh. program, you know. Um, I think there were maybe 20 people in the program when I did it. Yeah. So, but it was great. People. It was, yeah, it was wonderful though. And they were from around the world. So it was quite a fascinating experience. Um but, um, so, you know, so I started out really approaching it from the history and, and the folklore of it and, and talking to people about, oh, you know, this is why this food is considered aphrodisiac. And as my career went on, I started to realize what people were most interested in and seemed to need the most was more of the nutritional side of aphrodisiacs, like the whole idea of eating well you know, changing, change, not necessarily changing, but some, in some cases changing how you eat to feel more sexy or have better sexual health. And those were the things that people became, that I was finding people were really interested in and coming to me for. So, you know, I've, I've had to shift a little bit from here's a really cool story about a food and why it's aphrodisiac to, hey, did you know there are these three research studies that show how the, um, how, let's see, like pineapple may actually increase testosterone levels in men and, you know, help support male sex drive as well. So yeah, that's kind of where I've gone. Okay. Do you think, uh, do you think it's really kind of, is it more like people 
it's like a shift change uh, in mindset more than like a shift change in the, the actual physical uh, nutritional value of the food or you think that one kind of just kind of walks with the with each other one oh walks i definitely the other. think there's a shift change or people are more comfortable talking about these things than they were maybe 15 years ago and so they're realizing they're realizing that <clears throat> eating well isn't about it's not simply like a farm to table thing or a specific diet kind of thing. Um, but that it's, oh, like if I start thinking about foods a little differently and my, honestly, my whole idea from the beginning was to get people excited about food, um, and make great food choices. And I thought, well, one of the ways to get them more interested in food and learning a little bit more about maybe some different foods is to like get them excited about this food being sexy or this food might help you have better sex. So, um, I had to shift the best way to get to people to get to that goal. Um, and these days it is definitely talking about uh, your health and these foods. It used to be, I had to talk a lot about how are you going to seduce someone with food, but now people want to know for themselves. It's all about them. And the talk is a lot more frank than it used to be. You find the, uh, well, I mean, even before you went deliberately down this route, did you find that the conversation kind of always went to uh, food in terms of a, how it can enhance physical intimacy? Or was it just all about how it can it benefit me nutritionally and universally in general? So, you know, uh, before I went down this route, like I said, I was writing about wine. And I think you get a whole bunch of, of wine people together. Mm -hmm. And the conversation inevi inevitably at some point turns to wine and sex. So right, okay. that's, where I came, <laughs> that's where I came from. Um, you, or I should say you get a whole bunch of wine people together while they're drinking wine. Right. And sometimes it's in the way you describe the wine or sometimes it's in the way you think of when, when I drink this wine or, you know, or which wine here is going to make me help me get lucky or whatever it is. But yeah, it, it, inevitably the conversation always went there. Um, and I just wanted to add food into that. <laughs> Was it kind of like taboo for a lot of them? Was it just kind of like, or is it just kind of like, it kind of, since they were drinking, it kind of like flowed freely. And exactly. And also they were among, you know, when wine people are among their kind, when anyone is among sort of your peers and, and your kind, um, your mm -hmm. tribe, you're going to be a little more honest. I don't think they would say these things if they were getting interviewed by like wine spectator. <laughs> but really, you know, probably not. No. <laughs> probably In not, casual no. conversation, these are things that are, almost always came up. <laughs> what are some things that surprised you along your, along the way here? Cause I'm, I'm sure that like most of us, when we start something new, we have kind of preconceived expectations and sometimes they're confirmed. Sometimes they're just not. Um, so what are some things that you found pretty surprising along your work here when you started going along with this? You mean what I've learned about food? Yeah. Or... What you learned about okay. food, what you've learned yeah. about people, what you learned about sex, you know, just kind of, you know, anything. Um, let's see. Uh, what, you know, what I learned about food, I mentioned it before. I mentioned pineapple before I mm -hmm. was, this is one. I didn't pay a lot of attention to pineapple until I noticed that's what people kept searching the internet for pineapple and sex. Really? And so I started, yeah. And so I started doing my homework, like, what's the deal? And it turns out some of the, the reason that people are searching for it is largely like, um, some kind of silly rumors about pineapple and oral sex. Um, but it turns out that pineapple is like 
incredibly good for men, like for men's overall health, but specifically for sexual health. So that was a really surprising thing to learn. And it was funny to learn that people were searching for this for the, for the wrong reasons, but coming to the right answers. Um, mm. So I realized I've got I've to concentrate on finding more of these kinds of questions and making sure people are getting the right answers. Because um, obviously they're having concerns. It's not just, it's gone beyond it being something fun. It's, it's something that, that is negatively impacting people's lives. And right. they're searching for pineapple to find the answer. Right. Uh, yeah. That's, <laughs> I, I mean, that definitely never, never occurred to me as something that would ever kind of be beneficial to my sex drive. I mean, yeah. I, I don't have any problems with pineapple. I've eaten <laughs> pineapple, but I never associated with my libido before. And, um, uh, I did, when I was looking over your website, though, I did notice that mangoes were mentioned as mm, being good yes. for, I do like mangoes a lot. In fact, I, I ate mangoes just yesterday. So I was kind of well encouraged. I was, <laughs> I was kind of encouraged by reading that. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. wow. I, I didn't even realize that I just kind of liked mangoes. So, um, now, I mean, so, okay, obviously this is a pretty sensitive area to get into when you're talking about people's bedroom yeah, lives here. Yeah. And so I can imagine that, you know, unless you're among, like you said, your tribe, wine enthusiasts, right. and you're in a casual, you're in a casual, comfortable environment, you know, these people. And so words just run freely. Um, but when you're talking about this in a, maybe not necessarily a clinical setting, Mm -hmm. um, but in a more kind of professional setting mm -hmm. and you're talking about things that go on behind bedroom doors and it's just, I imagine you probably run up against a little bit of hesitation, maybe even a little bit of resistance. Do you find that at all? Or do you find people kind of like really just open up? Well, I mean, if this is something they're searching for, they're, they're ready right. to open up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Yeah, sure. Do you find it's more you know, more women that open up or more men that open up or, or it does it not make any difference? I find that both men and women are searching for answers for men, which I think is sad because women have just as much need, but I think they ignore it. Wait, so you said they're both men and women are searching answers from, from for, for men, for, for men. men. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Which that... to me is an indication that women are frequently ignoring or neglecting their own needs. Right. Okay. So I think, uh, we have an idea of what we're, what we're talking about here, but for the purpose of just being more educational, mm -hmm. let's get a little bit more explicit. So what's the different, what kind of needs do men need versus the needs that women need? And why are women kind of ignoring their own needs? Well, I, you know, people, I'm people I find are coming to my website, eat something sexy, or just, you know, searching online or coming to me directly with questions, um, about men's sexual health and performance. Mm -hmm. And I think it largely has to do with men's performance. And that's not something you can hide. Right. right. So both men and women are like searching for answers for men. Um, 
But of course, for women, if there are problems, you know, and, and it's important that, that you do explore this, by the way, if you are having some kind of problem, because it's often an indication of a greater health problem, often mm-hmm. a cardiovascular issue. Um, but for women, it also is, you know, an indication potentially of a greater problem. And if you're ignoring it, you could be ignoring you know, it could be the detriment of your overall health, not to mention to your own well-being and enjoyment. Um, I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> not sure. Well, um, so we we know what you're talking about when you're talking about performance issues in men. So we're yeah. talking about erectile dysfunction. Or, you know, a phys- or, or there are varying degrees of. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we're talking about an actual physical problem, which a lot of times is the case. Or we're talking about something psychological, right. which can become a physical problem. So right. something that's you know, psychosomatic. So that's, like you said, it's obvious. Right. It's not so obvious in women. No. So let's, so I want to dive into that a little bit more because, okay. well, obviously one, because I'm a man and I'm interested. And two, I think it's probably better to get this out more mm-hmm. into the in, out into more into the mm-hmm. open. Yeah. So when we're talking about sexual dysfunction in women, yes, can you kind of highlight what exactly that is? So, or often, some of the things it involves. Well, often for women, it's it's issues with sex drive. Okay. Um, but it can also be um, dealing with with um, pleasure, uh, with climax, with the inability to achieve climax. Um, you know, all of these things and in varying degrees. And again, the problem can be physical, uh, as it is with men. It could be an indication of, of a cardiovascular issue as well. It mm-hmm. could be because of previous trauma. Um, it could be, any, right. it, it could be because of a medication that you're just on the wrong medication. Um, you know, it could be any number of things, or it could be a really lousy diet. In fact, mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's important that women understand that even though you can hide this problem, you shouldn't be ignoring it. Like, first of all, you're, you're worth having that pleasure, right? You deserve it. Um, and second of all, it can be an indication of greater problems, either, you know, psychological, something that you haven't dealt with or something physical or, you know, something physical that could eventually become something quite scary. Um, or maybe it's something very simple that you can easily correct and just have a little more fun in your life. And wouldn't you want to do that if you can, but a lot of women kind of push their needs aside and don't address it on any level. So why do you think that is? Um, I mean, now that I'm a a mother, it's easy for me to see that you have all of these other people's needs to think about. And it's very easy to push your own aside because um, you know, you're, you're tending to these other people's needs, which is a fulfilling thing. Um, and something's got to go. And the easiest thing to get to go is your own, your own needs. Um, Mm -hmm. certainly, you know, I see that a lot among mothers, uh, and women in general, I think tend to women tend to be pleasers and providers and, and those sorts of things, not like financial providers, but providers of comfort and pleasure and, and warmth and, you know, all of those things. Um, so it, that can get overwhelming. And the easiest thing to push aside 
is your personal needs. Um, it happens to a lot of women. Do you think, uh, how should I phrase this? Um, so we know that, you know, a man tends to really peak early on sexually, mm-hmm. you know, 19, 20 years old. Um, do you think there is a time where a woman tends to peak sexually? Because again, I mean, we know this probably because more research and more work has been done on the sexuality of men versus right. sexuality of women. Yeah, so and we, that is another so, thing. More research tends to be done on men right. in these areas. So we know that we know that generally, in terms of like the the peak, right. it's men is pretty early right. in life here. Um, but then I, the impression I've got is like for women, it tends to like just kind of like remain constant or, or people talk about it like for women, it just remains constant or whatever. Because you do hear, mm-hmm. you do hear like stories, you know, when you hang around people or you hear or, you know, you do enough reading and research, you know, you hear about um, older married couples, people in their 50s or 60s, something mm-hmm. like that. And generally you hear like a lot of women complain like there's no intimacy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. Because, uh, you know, again, going back to, you know, the man and his declining testosterone and other things that have to go with that, it's like the libido is not yeah. what it once yeah. was when they first were married. So you hear a lot of women kind of um, unexpectedly sometimes, cult- culturally unexpectedly, complaining more about the lack of int- intimacy than the man does. Yeah. So do you think there's kind of like a peak for women so- as well? Women, so I had heard, you know, many years ago that, that women had a peak about, only well, estimated like about 10 years later than, than men. And, um, you know, I remember when I was like in my mid twenties, oh, you should find a younger guy because, <laughs> because you're, you know, you're not quite to your peak yet. You've got to find a guy who's, you know, a 20 year old who's, who's at his peak. So weird. So weird. Um, you know, but, uh, women do go through, can go through a great number of hormone changes throughout their life. And so there may be peaks and valleys depending on what else is going on in her life. So yes, it's, I mean, it's a different, it's a very different journey for women than for men. Okay. So it kind of shifts over time. You know, it kind of like, kind of ebbs and flows. Is that the impression I'm getting? Or right. just... that, that is my understanding of it. Okay. And remember, keep in mind, I am not a doctor. I am right. a food researcher. Um, right. And I do, you know, yes, I have spent the past 18 years in this. And yes, my understanding is because of the ebbs and flows uh, of women's hormones throughout their lives, that there will be, you know, that you will have peaks and valleys in that, in, in you know, your sex drive. Um, and really crazy things happen around um, menopause. Mm-hmm. And for some women, I've heard them be, you know, very positive, and for some women, very negative. So it's we need to study women more to better understand this and have a more realistic expectation, you know, mm-hmm. of of what we can expect and what to do about it at those different times. That would be gotcha. nice. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, so to kind of shift gears a little bit, but not really. Um, so we have uh, these two cookbooks. The first one, I understand, was uh, Fork Me, Spoon Me. 
That was right. my first book. Yes. Yeah. So I'm actually the, the author of five, five. aphrodisiac okay. cook, author or co-author of five aphrodisiac cookbooks. Fork Me, Spoon gotcha. Me was my first book um, and the best selling actually of all of them. Yeah. 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 So how was the process for uh, publishing that book? Was it kind of like, Oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, goodness. So if anyone is ever interested in, you know, anyone has the dream of writing their own book. That was mm -hmm. my dream at that point. And I wanted this aphrodisiac cookbook. I found a publisher that wanted to take it on. They let the option run out. And I sat in my bed and cried for a few days. Then I found another publisher who wanted the book. And we start. I was working with an editor there. And one day he called me and said, this isn't going to go well for you. Um, the editorial team loves your book. The sales team hates your book and they will never put any effort into selling it. You are going to go and self publish this book. And I'm going to tell you just what to do, how much to invest. And you're going to get that money back in a year. And this is before self publishing was cool. It was not cool. Then. Okay. Why, do, why, why would the sales team re resist your book so much? Why would they not even bother to try to sell it? <laughs> you know, well, I mean, first of all, so a publisher has a lot of books to concentrate on each year yeah. and they're going to, you know, it's like betting on a horse. They're going to bet on the ones that they feel they can sell the best and they're going to do the best. Right? right. And a lot of books kind of languish. Um, my title he felt was not going to get attention. And it was the people on the sales team were uncomfortable with it. They were uncomfortable with the title. They it's not going to get attention. <laughs> the you title definitely me? got a lot of attention. Yes. Really? They just weren't comfortable. They weren't comfortable with this book. They weren't okay. comfortable with the conversation. Yeah. It was a long time ago. Um, and so I listened to everything he told me and I did, I put together my own team and I found my own distributor. And everything he said was absolutely, this editor, everything he said was absolutely correct, except that I think it took me 15 months to get the money back, mm. my initial investment, but it was $30,000. So it was, you know, a substantial amount of money, got it back in 15 months. And the rest was, you know, history. <laughs> <laughs> so you invested $30,000. I did. I did. Of your, of your money. I did. All right. Yes. And, and you did end up getting it back because it was kind of a runaway hit? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, it wasn't a runaway hit. It's not like it made the New York Times bestseller list, right? but it did very well. There were a lot of people who embraced it. Um, a lot of my contacts from my days of wine writing sold, put it in their tasting rooms. And I mean, nice. I, I think I probably, I've probably sold like 10,000 copies of that book in winery tasting rooms. That's a lot of books. Yeah, Maybe not really quite 10,000, at least 8,000. Yeah. There's a lot of books. So, um, you know, it's good to have friends in the right places, I guess that, that was my market. Um, so that book, the success of that book allowed me to open my own publishing company, which is not something I ever dreamed of doing, but I got to publish more of my own books as well as other people's books. Mm -hmm. Um, I published an amazing um, baking book I, that I love. It's called Kiss My Bunt. Um, it's with a baker who grew up in the South making bunt cakes and her cakes are ridiculously good. So, you mm -hmm. know, I, I got to, I got to make her book and learn how to make amazing cake just because of the success of my first book and listening to that editor, which is kind of awesome. <laughs> 
anyway, I don't know. We've gone. I've gone way off track here, but no, no, no. I, we have not gone off track <laughs> okay, here. So we're, we're we're here to talk about you and your work. Okay. So that's 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 we're perfectly on track here. So then came romancing the stove. Um, yes. So how was that different from? I, said, I did Spoon a couple. Me? I did a couple of books in in the interim. Okay. One for a publisher okay. in the Southwest. Okay. <clears> well, another. let's. Okay. Well, let's backtrack then. What was the book that came after Fork Me Spoon Me? It was called Chili Aphrodisia and it okay. came out a few months after Fork Me Spoon Me. Um, I don't know how I did all that at the same time. Now that I think about it, uh, it was for a publisher in the Southwest. I heard that it sold well in airports in like Arizona and New <laughs> Mexico. I don't know. <laughs> uh, then I did a book with a co-author that just, we took off, it just wasn't working and we took it off the market. Um, and I just kind of rolled my energy from that into um, romancing the stove. Okay. Yeah. So tell, how was that different from Fork Me, Spoon Me? So Fork Me, Spoon Me, I wanted to, I just really wanted people to indulge in the idea of aphrodisiacs and learn what an aphrodisiac was. Mm -hmm. And I chose 12 ingredients to focus on and showing people what to do with them. And it was just, a, it was kind of a fun and sexy book. Uh, you really didn't have to cook at all. You could just enjoy this book and learn something from it. Um, but there were recipes too, if you did want to cook. And then Romancing the Stove was really much more of a cookbook. And that was the first time I dipped my toe into the waters of like using food for sexual health. So with that book, it was divide the recipes were divided into sections by like here are recipes if you want to seduce someone. Here are recipes if you want to eat for better sexual health. Um, so yeah, it was it was just a different approach and much more recipe focused. It's delicious. There's, there are some delicious recipes in that book. So we okay. You said you authored or co-authored five books. So we yes. I think we we covered. So I have four. one more. Yeah. Okay. So what my my most recent was an experiment. It's ebook only. Okay. It's a dessert cookbook that uh, was co-authored by a nutritionist. And it's all aphrodisiac desserts. Um, most of them incorporate some sort of ingredient that's good for you, good for your sexual health. Um, for example, we use in our brownies, we use chickpea flour instead of white flour. So every recipe has some odd little twist. And it doesn't, honestly, you would never know. You would never be like, I'm not eating those brownies because they have chickpea flour. They're the most delicious brownies. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we found a way I, to skip the white flour. Yeah. I, I've argued that many times with people is like, you know, cause you know, they find out certain foods don't have certain foods have ingredients in it. They don't like, <laughs> I don't, I don't like right. mushrooms. I don't like chickpeas or whatever. And yep. you really wouldn't know it if you bit into it. Right. What's, right. what's, what's in it. But you know, a lot of people will just turn it down. If they knew it, they would just turn it down on principle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We also, in that book, we also have, um, a chocolate cake with avocado to help keep it moist. Really? And like people are like, oh, that's disgusting. No, it really improves the chocolate cake. <laughs> it does. It does. I and mean, just sitting here, it does listening to, it does sound a little bit nasty <laughs> to me, but, uh, I'd be willing to try it. Uh, so I would, you know, the, the true test would be to let your taste buds do the, right. do the verdict. Right. right. So, right. So you did all, all right. So you, you've done all these five books here or you've written them or you've co-written them. Yeah. So where do you, 
Okay, so mm-hmm. see how again I'm trying to phrase this question right. What what have you what have you kind of gleaned about him about people in terms of their attitudes towards sex and food and because I feel like in some in some quarters, I actually I know that this is still way beyond anything that people really want to get into and it's kind of like treated with some sort of lurid fascination. Um, and whereas it really shouldn't be because it's a part of being human, but you don't really bring these things out to light. And I know I'm kind of getting big and, you know, out there with this, but do you think it's kind of, it's opened up people more or you, or do you really think it's kind of like it, 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 people are opened up to it if they are already kind of generally opened up to it. Yeah, definitely. You're not, you know, you're not going to change someone. Um, I think there are a greater number of people interested these days than ever before. And I think that a lot of them really want help. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's important to, you know, be that. Say, hey, yeah, okay, I'm on your team. Here's what we can do, right? Um, Because if they're asking for that, then, then they're open. Mm-hmm. And it's a great, it's a great opportunity for them. So I, yeah, I feel like the future in my field is very exciting because people are really, not everyone, but a, a greater number of people than ever are interested in believing and understanding a little bit more about the impact of what they eat on how they feel and how they perform. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I just, like, like I said earlier, um, you hear a lot about the impact of food nutrition wise and what it does for you physically and mentally and, you know, and all this stuff here, but it doesn't really, it kind of talks about it in kind of broad sweeping terms. Like you don't, I don't hear it being Mm. talked about a lot about how it can enhance your performance in the bedroom, Mm. how it can increase intimacy between you and your partner, how it can, you know, make for a happier relationship. The fact that you've got more intimacy because you know this stuff does matter to people right even though they we know it does even if they don't want to openly talk about it so right. you know we all know that you know it's better for you if you eat fruits and vegetables on the whole i mean this is what this, <laughs> yes. is, this is this is what mom this is what mom told you all along yeah so that that's not that's not new but then now we're kind of uh really subcategorizing it here to say it's good for you it's also good for you like this. Right. And, and so I just kind of, I just kind of wanted to highlight that because I, I don't hear it being spoken of very often, or maybe I'm just not paying attention to the right people. Um, I mean, I would, I would agree with both of those statements. Um, it isn't, I mean, I found, I found a lot of, a lot of people who are talking about it. I, you know, I, I interviewed neurologists, urologists, um, any mm-hmm. ist, I've interviewed them all and they're all, they're trying to talk to people about it and they're very supportive of the work that I'm doing. Um, and then I try to come at it from a person of, Hey, I'm one of you and this is what I've right. studied about it. And here's how we can go down a journey. In fact, I, um, am about to launch um, this week. I'm launching a new product, which is, I don't know what to call Like it's, it's product sounds weird. Like I'm going to try to sell you a bottle of pills. Um, it's another book. <laughs> It's an ebook, but it's also, there are also uh, other parts to it. So uh, it's an ebook 
it's for men. It's it, we on eatsomethingsexy.com, nutritionist named Delana Flagg and I created a list of the 10 best foods for men and the 10 best foods for women. And if you go to eatsomethingsexy.com, you'll see them all there. So you don't mm -hmm. take notes. I saw that. Yeah. 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 I, I right on the homepage, yeah. you'll see them if you're interested. Um, mm -hmm. But I took those 10 foods for men and I created an ebook that's just for men about these foods, why they're going to help you. And hey, by the way, here are some other things you can be doing to start helping yourself right now, as well as, hey, by the way, if you are experiencing actual physical problems, you also need to bring your doctor into your team and talk about this with them. Right. <laughs> um, but along with it, there's also a three day sample menu of like, how can you incorporate these foods more into your diet? We'll have a look at this. And then a printable um, seven day menu planner. So you can actually plan out your week with these foods. And there's check boxes at the bottom to make sure each day check off the foods that you actually ate. Make sure you're eating all 10 during the week, not just eating pineapple every day. Right. You're also going to want to eat the other, the other foods like salmon and pomegranate. Um, yes. And so this is what I've, I'm now where I'm kind of going with it um, and talking to them about, hey, these are great foods and hey, these are ways. And there's some recipes, you know, hey, these are ways to use them. And hey, by the way, make sure you're drinking enough water. And hey, by the way, are you getting exercise? And if you want to have better balance and better leg strength, maybe you want to try Tai Chi. And, you know, just like all of these ideas to kind of get you moving forward without you having to potentially embarrass yourself by having an actual conversation with a human being about it. You can start out kind of gently with this whole package of right. materials. Yes. Right, right. Okay. So you kind of take the awkwardness out of it. Yes. Just yes. By, just by saying like, okay, like, I kind of know what you're struggling with. You don't have to talk to me about it. Here's this. Right. Exactly. But hey, by the way, there may be other people who you can bring into your team who are going to help, mm -hmm. like a physician or a urologist, um, like a psychologist. So, you know, I want you to reflect a little on that. But while right. you're reflecting on it, here's some delicious things you can be eating that are you're probably going to notice a difference right away. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I, I noticed something interesting when I was looking at your website and I was reading your blogs, actually. Yeah. Um, now, you said that you now we, we know that there is an Afro, aphrodite quality to food. We've known that for mm -hmm. a very long time. here. Right. But you said that the, the FDA not only right. dismisses that as a thing, but has worked against it. It's like they're actually yeah. trying to sabotage it. Well, there's a reason. And it's irritating on the one hand. Right. I, I want to talk about that. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's interesting to me. I mean, I can, I'm not surprised, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, but kind of want to go into that a little bit. So tell us what, what that is all about. <laughs> yeah. So the reason is that they're trying to steer people away from sort of those weird, like, um, what do you call it? Impulse purchase items in a gas station that like call themselves Spanish fly or who knows what they are or um, some capsule that promises to give you instant virility or, um, you know, there I've are never, some. I've never seen that. That's interesting. Oh, you haven't? I I've, I, again, maybe I'm just not looking, <laughs> but I've never seen. I don't go into yeah, a gas you. station to find, <laughs> find things like that. So Yeah, um, well, exactly. Wow. That, I think that's why they put them right at the front because they're like, oh, yeah, I can some man milk. Yes. I'll drink that. No, don't do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, 
So, and also there are some ingredients that have been deemed aphrodisiac that are actually dangerous, like real Spanish fly. Don't do it. Um, I don't really blowfish is another one, which if it's prepared incorrectly will kill you. So there are things, you know, so it's trying to protect you from bad ideas, <laughs> trying to protect you from your own bad ideas. Unfortunately, right. they're also limiting your ability to actually get the benefits from natural foods that have these properties. How, how do they limit that? Do they actually like well, stop shipments of certain oh, foods? No, no, no. I don't mean like that. I just mean, you know, if you limit the belief of them, limit the ability uh, of someone like me to promote them to some degree. So yeah, it's, but I get it. I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to do an important job. Um, and I guess they feel their, their ability is limited. They have to go, go very broad. So, yeah. Do you think it's, do you, I mean, I've, I've talked to so many people here and, you know, sometimes politics come up, comes up in terms of like fitness and things like that. And, you know, I've known a few people who don't have very high opinions in the FDA. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, all throughout COVID mm. FDA trust didn't really surge, right. <laughs> right. especially when these vaccines started coming out here. So, right. um, a lot of people think like the FDA is kind of overtly political and they follow whatever, uh, prevailing winds come through Washington. Um, that may or may not be true. Uh, I don't want to get too much into mm. that, but I think since we are talking about the food and drug administration here, the talk of politics is no, is going to be inevitable. Yeah. Um, do you think it's, do you think it's just political? Do you think it's actually out of a legit concern for the public health? Um, I think it's, it at least started as a legitimate concern. Yeah, I'm sure there's a political element, sure. And then there's just a general discomfort with talking about or promoting sex in this country. Mm -hmm. So sure, mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a little bit of that to it. However, there are a lot of really terrible things that people have tried to pawn off as aphrodisiac, as well as some, you know, endangered animals. Like a rhino horn is going to do nothing for you. It's just a bunch of keratin. You might as well eat your toenails. Like it's not. So there is, you know, there's some, there's some level of trying to prevent the popular, the rise in popularity of things that are endangered and are also useless, by the way, um, as well as to protect you from things that can be detrimental um, or simply use, you know, things that are, that are useless. I mean, uh, some sort of pill that says it's, or some little bottle of, that calls itself man milk. Like it's just, you know, it's probably sugar yeah. and water and maybe some food coloring. You don't really need that, right. do you? <laughs> right. No, for sure. I mean, there's no shortage of snake oil salesmen out there yeah. waiting to get trying to get a quick buck. But I would think that if people are buying these things here, then obviously there is, like you said earlier, and you said this a number of times, there is a need there. Right. And the fact the the fact that this is so like being uh this is being treated as such a taboo thing probably mm -hmm. argues the fact that this should be more demystified. And maybe they, maybe the federal government should actually talk more openly about this sort of thing. Here is like, you know, okay, you know, this there's healthy ways of addressing this, and there's non-healthy ways right. of addressing this. Right. And when and when you kind of make a blanket kind of policy against everyone who is trying to, regardless of wherever they're trying to accomplish, regardless of where they're coming from, if they have good intentions or not, you make this kind of blanket policy to kind of push everyone aside here and you're just kind of, you know, forcing this more and more underground here. I just think it's, 
I, honestly, I think it's hilarious that a hundred plus years after Freud, that we are still, we are still, <laughs> we are still like wrestling with this, at least in yeah. the United States. I can't yeah. speak to, you know, other places like countries in Europe, mm-hmm. which, you know, depending on where you go can have a much more open idea about right. sex, yes. a much healthier idea yes. about sex, at least here in the United States. Um, I just find it one hilarious to the point where I'm actually laughing and two, just sadly absurd. You know, I'm, I'm just at the point of acceptance. Like I, you know, I, I get where we are. Um, I do also do interviews in Europe and it is a very different experience for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have had some success with selling books overseas too. Um, which, you know, and it's, which is fascinating because of course all of my, uh, think about their cookbooks. And so all my measurements are in uh, our American measurements, which nobody else uses. Um, and yeah, people are still buying my books. So mm-hmm. yeah. Well, just do um, the simple conversions. They, well, yeah, <laughs> they can do the, yes, they'll do the simple conversions. Absolutely. But, um, but that's a hassle and yet they still yeah. want to buy my books because they're much more open to these ideas and much more interested in, and really in making it fun. And frankly, you know, talking about the FDA at all, it's, we've just sucked the fun out of it anyway. So I just kind of, I try to leave that alone and kind of, you know, talk about, try to talk about the positives. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Uh, I think that's probably the most you really can do. So, yeah. all right. So. Let's go through some of the, uh, if you can name off the top of your head, let's go through some of the best foods for both men and women. So we kind of talked okay. about pineapple and we salmon. We touched on pineapple, yeah. We touched on pineapple. So, okay, so now let's talk about men. So that was um, men. So women, I've, I've totally neglected women here. Because uh, I talked about I'm doing a new, I'm doing this new book for men. And by the yeah. way, I will subsequently do one for women. I just saw the demand was greater for men. So it just made sense to do them first. I am not ignoring women. Um, so... <laughs> Some of the foods for women. Uh, ladies will probably be pleased to hear that dark chocolate is on that list. It's one of my favorites to talk about. Um, you're smiling, you know. Uh, so, you know, it has to be dark chocolate, though. Milk chocolate really is, you lose a lot of the beneficial properties of chocolate the more sugar and milk you're adding to it. So it's got to be dark chocolate. The darker, the better. Um, because it's chocolate's got a lot of antioxidant properties. It also has fiber. Um, it has magnesium, which chocolate sometimes is recommended to women who are suffering from PMS because it can, the magnesium can eliminate some of, um, some of the cramping it's mm. uh, magnesium will, will relax muscles. Right. Um, so, you know, uh, there are, and I'm blanking on, there are several other reasons why it's great for women. And I'm, my mind has just gone blank. So go to my website and read about it. Cause chocolate is great. <laughs> <laughs> Does it, that, is it? Equally as good for men, or at least partly as good for men, because I like dark chocolate too. Sure, yeah, no, everything, <laughs> honestly, everything on the list for for both men and women, uh, the the opposite side, these are all good, healthy foods that are good for your sex life. It's just there's something about them that's particularly good for women or particularly good for men. And, oh, I know what I forgot about chocolate. Um, it can help balance the pH of mm-hmm. a woman's ladies' parts. So... Just another reason to eat dark chocolate. I love it. Um, also for women, let's see, what's another good one? Uh, chili peppers, which are good for men as well. Um, 
a lot of times I, I highlight the foods for women that have, you know, anti-aging benefits. Um, chili peppers are really high in vitamin C, which most people mm -hmm. don't realize. Exactly. Uh, and then also just for a night of seduction, they're a great food because they raise your body temperature, make you feel a little more like tearing off your clothes. Um, they make your tongue tingle. They make your lips plump up a little bit, make you look more kissable to someone who's attracted to you. Um, so, and they can even, if you eat enough of them, and I will never in my life eat enough of them to ever experience this, but I have been told you can even have an, an endorphin rush like an almost orgasmic or like a runner's high just from eating chili peppers. So they're, they're an exciting food. Really? I had not heard, I had not heard yeah. that at all. Yeah. No. I'll never, I'll never experience it. I can't eat that much chili, but if you really like chili, <laughs> let me know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you about the vitamin C too. I actually mm -hmm. learned that pretty, pretty late. Um, because yeah. you know, you hear about when you're a kid, vitamin C is carrots. <laughs> which do which oranges do, oranges were always oranges, the one i heard yeah they do have these properties but uh much more so in the um in the peppers like you said the bell peppers right. red and right. yellow peppers and things like yeah. that so that that's just a yep. that is a plethora of vitamin c yeah. um but it's interesting now i hadn't thought about ever chilies as a as a aphrodisiac and honestly for most of my life i didn't like chili peppers <laughs> i have i still have i enjoy a little bit but a little goes a long way for me yeah for yeah. sure for sure it does yeah okay so all right so you have all right you published five books you have this publishing company here yeah. uh, you have probably you i assume you're still a wine writer I am, and it, yes. And, Not and it, frequently, but yes, occasionally I okay. still write online. Yeah. And you still judge competitions? Um, you know, I ha I haven't been able to do that since I have kids. It's just I can't do mm -hmm. travel, that kind of travel. It's not worth it. I hear so. you. I hear yeah. you. Gotcha. So this publishing company is the okay, let's talk about that just a little bit. The Life of <laughs> Riley. Mm hmm Life of Riley Publishing. Okay. So yes, the publishing I, company I never set out to have. Yes. <laughs> so all right. So how's that's how life is sometimes. We just yeah. takes us down roads we don't anticipate. So how's that been going for you? So um, you know, it it was a great journey. Right now, I'm sort of a little bit on hiatus. I mean, we still distribute and sell all of the books, and they all do still sell. Um, but that that's it's you know i'm kind of in my hiatus period i've got a, a 10 year old and a seven year old and um putting out a book is like planning you know it's like there's nine months of planning to have a child i don't have time for another child right now <laughs> mm -hmm. so i mean what i assume it was was it mostly for cookbooks or was it just publishing in general um it was it was it was we did gift market cookbooks is what we've always focused on. Um, I did help a friend do a wine book. Um, it was, it was her project and she took the reins, but I helped her get mm -hmm. it out. Yeah. But other than that, they were all very specifically, you know, for the gift market cookbooks, fun cookbooks. Not we weren't trying to win awards for the world's greatest cookbook. We wanted fun things that people were actually going to cook from. Gotcha. So what, what's your main, cause you're in a lot of different things here. So what right now is your main focus? You just said it's not the publishing because it's too much time. Right. So well, what, I mean, technically, so as I said, I just done a book for men, um, which is right. okay. an ebook only. And so my focus now is kind of 
trying to hone in more on answering the questions that people have for me in this kind of nice way where they don't, you know, they don't have to embarrass themselves. They can get the information right here. They can get everything to plan, plan it all out for themselves. So that's where I'm focusing right now. Um, I do still, I still run Eat Something Sexy, the website. Um, we ha and I have many writers writing for us. And so we're, we're still generating new content there. Um, which I have people who, you know, not just write about food or recipes, it's, or health. We have, we also, um, we have a wine writer. Um, we have some, a couple of people who write on couples travel and getaways and those kind of things as well. We occasionally will do product reviews of something that, that fits that we think that a couple would enjoy or something that fits with the sort of that sexual health line. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you ever, I know, I know you work in the, the world of food. Do you ever have people like come from my industry, like the fitness industry who like trainers as such, they work with people. And do you ever like, have any correspondence with any of those people? They say, you know, I have these, this client or these clients, if they're working with a married couple, mm -hmm. they could probably uh, use a little help. Not with, not just with the nutrition aspect of aspect of things, but mm -hmm. also things having to do more with sexual health, you have them kind of coming to you more. Oh, sorry. I, 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 you froze for a moment. So that's uh, sorry. Uh, do you have, do you have like people like, um, personal trainers and fitness trainers come to you and have and help them with their clients with sexual health or nutritional health? I have not. Um, and that's mostly because I don't, I tend not to do like one-on-one, -on -one, um, mm -hmm. counseling or consulting. I have had, um, I've had couples therapists ask me like to come on their podcast and give suggestions, you know, for couples in that way. Right. But yeah, I don't, because that's something that I, I haven't done in the past is, is like private consulting. I'll, I'll consult often with like hotels or restaurants on how to plan a more meaningful Valentine's day package, that kind of thing. But yeah, I don't, I haven't done, um, one-on-one -on -one kind of things. So as we're going to start to wind down here, we're closing on an hour here. So I have a uh, closing tradition uh, where I have the guests because we talk about a lot of things here. And so, you know, a lot's discussed. So mm -hmm. if you could kind of like, if you would have people leave with one thing and one thing only from our discussion here, what would you say it would be? Um, Say if you, I think the one thing based on what we've talked about today is if you do have questions about your sexual health or any kind of disappointment um, in that realm, to find answers. Don't, you know, brush it off. Don't ignore it. Don't accept that this is just the way it is for you or this is the way it is for you now. Mm -hmm. um, be curious and be persistent and there, you know, obviously there are a lot of things to explore. I would say explore your diet first. It's right. very gentle, right? It's very gentle and it's not embarrassing. Um, that, I think that that's my one thing, my one thing. Good enough. All right. Well, Amy, I appreciate the conversation. It's been, it's been fun. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Not a problem. Okay. Well, everybody, this is uh, Fitness Reborn. Uh, my name is Sean. My guest today has been Amy Riley. Uh, she's an aphrodisiac foods expert. I'll put her contact information in the show notes, as always, website, social media, all that stuff in there. I also put in connections to Amazon, where I know that her book, 
Fork Me, Spoon Me is on, and Romance in the Stove is on. I'm not sure about the other ones, about the other three, um, but those I know are on Amazon, and if you want to seek them out, they're there. I've even considered buying one or the other myself here because I am I'm very very interested in this kind of thing. Very interested to see what's actually inside of it, not what it can tell me. But uh, again, Amy, um, it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me today. Not a problem, not a problem. All right. Until next time, everybody, move forever. Peace out. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can become a supporter of the show by becoming a monthly subscriber. No commitments. Cancel anytime. Every little bit helps, and I'd sure love your support. Also, you can click any of the links to our social media platforms provided in the show notes, and you can email me at renfitnesswarriors at gmail.com. That's ren, R-E-N, fitnesswarriors at gmail.com. If you got a fitness story to tell, I'd love to hear it. And you never know, you might just find yourself on the show. Until next time, train hard. Peace. Peace.